Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for February 1st, 2015. Today's podcast is given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jack Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His homily on this Communion Sunday is entitled, Keeping the Feast. Live. Well, we have made eating an art form and a circus at the same time. Sharon Naylor, writing for the magazine Bridal Guide, says that the national average for a wedding cake last year was, how much? $466, the national average for one cake. Though, she says, you can expect to pay $1,200 in New York City or Napa, California. The designer recipes found at high-end restaurants these days is kind of like visiting the, mod, uh, the Museum of Modern Art compared to the Children's Art Month at the local elementary school. And I said high-end restaurants have these menus, but you know, you can buy an Asian cashew chicken salad at Wendy's. And the culture that created the food fight on college campuses also conceived of supersize me and the 48-ounce soda can with free refills. Did you know that we have allowed the development of an entire industry called competitive eating? There is an industry called competitive eating with independent organizations such as All Pro Eating who create gorge fests of everything from apple pie to kielbasa. And in the 2014 TV Tokyo Battle of Big Eaters World Championship, a team of four, the winners, consumed 11 pounds of sushi, 24 New York strip steaks, and 13.05 pounds of chicken drumsticks. I'm sure there was more, but that was just what made the headline news. So maybe eat to live isn't such a pious motto after all. Hmm. On the other hand, you know, is there anything better? I mean, really, anything better than a good meal? A good meal not only makes life livable, literally, it also makes life worth living. You know what I mean? Now, I've just offered some serious critique of our national sin, but the same could be said of every culture in every age Because no matter where you live and how much money you have, there is hardly any better way to celebrate life than with a good meal. Is there? Live to eat. Hmm. Hurricane Andrew had just decimated Miami, Florida when Amy took a van load of Clemson students for fall break mission trip to provide disaster relief. We found ourselves there after a 13-hour overnight drive from Clemson to Miami. We found ourselves working with an organization called MasterServe, who had found a niche building one-room temporary homes for indigent Floridians, mostly immigrants. We finished one of those glorified storage buildings in a long weekend, and the mother of this family of four was ecstatic that we had been willing to modify the plans of her new 12 by 12 home and install one window that she had salvaged from the scrap heap. 
She was so happy. She wanted us to celebrate with her. And so, as her own housewarming party, I say ironically, it must have been 135 degrees in that shed that day. And as an expression of her gratitude to us, she cooked up a plate of Honduran staples. I don't know I've ever had a better meal, and the stuffed jalapeno peppers could have sold in any restaurant in the country. Maybe it's no mistake that the psalmist offers highest praise by singing, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. So I think it should come to no surprise, come as no surprise, that a central ritual in any religion would gather around food. It has been so for for Christianity from the very beginning. The very earliest Christian communities were celebrating a meal together. My old college roommate, Kyle Matthews, has a wonderful song that tells the story of the restaurant that had no waiters. When you come into the restaurant, you sit down, and the guy who just finished his meal, well, he serves you. And then when you're through, it's your turn. Well, in this joyful little tune that tells our story, the food is so fantastic that they run out, and all they can find in the back storeroom is simple bread and wine, but the people stood in line. Simple bread and wine. You know, as good as the food is, as good as the food is, and you know this from experience, food doesn't really make a meal great. You can eat liver mush or foie gras. You can eat creme brulee or Cool Whip straight out of the aerosol can. It's not the food. It's why you gathered and with whom you've gathered that makes the meal a feast. So in recent years, I have wondered why when we come to this table, a kind of somber hush always seems to fill the air. I know that Benedictine monks have a practice of eating in silence. I just don't get that. You know, usually the louder the better around the table, don't you think? Tell me the truth. Would you prefer candlelight and polite whispering or your Thanksgiving table or the church potluck or this afternoon's tailgating even in a crowded, dirty parking lot? I think if we're going to keep this feast, we're going to have to learn a little better how to celebrate it. Now the quiet, of course, that comes to this meal derives from the remembrance of Christ. Committed life, sacrificial death, body, blood. But in his commentary, Chad Myers taught me that in the Gospel of Mark, there is no remembrance No looking back. We don't hear, do this in remembrance in our oldest gospel. The whole narrative of Mark points to the cross. And apparently the gospel writer is trying to teach us what that means. Now maybe it's a radical thought, but the implication might just be that we won't find what the cross means by looking back by offering communion only as a commemoration of death and atonement, which would understandably be laced with pain and solemnity. Maybe Mark is reminding us that Jesus and his friends came together on what was clearly going to be a difficult night, but they came together 
as community. They came together in the face of fear and uncertainty, but they did what Jews always did. They did what friends always do. They came together to eat a meal. They sang together, and they went out nourished. In 1873, a text was discovered in the library at Constantinople. It had been overlooked literally for centuries. The first line of the text refers to the teaching of the 12 apostles. And from that Greek word for teaching, the book has become known as the Didache, teaching. In that text, we have one of the oldest surviving manuals of the practice of the early church. Scholars date the text as old as the late first century, so maybe no more than 50 or 60 years after Jesus' death. Now, if you want to know what the early church thought about communion and how they practiced it, there is no doubt that this record gives an insight into at least some of the earliest Christian communities and how they practice communion. And here is what the Didache says about the celebration of the Eucharist, which alongside baptism was regarded as central to Christian practice. Concerning the Eucharist, give thanks this way. First, concerning the cup. Jews always do the wine before the bread. First, concerning the cup, say, We thank you, our Father, for the holy vine of David, your servant, which you made known to us through Jesus, your servant. To you be glory forever. Next, concerning the bread, we thank you, our Father, for the life and knowledge which you made known to us through Jesus, your servant. To you be glory forever. Even as this broken bread was scattered over the hills and was gathered together and became one, so let your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Do you remember several weeks ago when I preached from Mark 1, what is the good news according to Jesus? He said, repent and believe the kingdom of God is near. That's the good news. So I read again, let your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom, which is among us, the kingdom. To you is the glory and the power through Jesus Christ forever. Now, did you hear what's missing from this early instruction about communion? Somber reflection on the body and the blood of Christ is missing from what the Didache says about communion. Now, I am not suggesting that the, tra- that the tradition we have received is of no value. I believe that it is. As we remember the life and the death of Jesus, we are challenged to be the body of Christ, giving ourselves for one another. But, but maybe there's reason for us to be able to think in different ways about this feast that we share together. And maybe today we need just to celebrate thanking God for simple gifts, for meals shared together, for communities of sharing, and for Jesus who taught us so much about how to make all of life holy. Today, let us keep the feast 
Today, let us celebrate community. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.